Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. We hope that you will join us in person this Sunday at 9.30 for Sunday school and 10.35 for the service. We promise you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please go to gpindy.net. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene.
sing worthy to the Lord. We sing worthy. We sing worthy. We sing worthy to the Lord. Praise and glory. That one. 
summoned from the throne up in the sky to purchase my pardon not even the angels could die think about it now the only provision for my freedom was destined to be the sweet lamb of glory and his only reason was me oh i was the That one earthly reason Well, I was the guilty But he was the sacrifice I was the was me Today I want to talk about Paul and his testimony and uh, his marks, his scars that he had for standing up for Christ. And you know, uh, when you're around older, seasoned believers, there's just something about that in there. And uh, you're around them, you know they've been through it, but they're still faithful. That has an impact on you. Uh, it does something to you. I, I remember uh, Kurt Davis, uh, who always played the organ for us at Emmanuel, uh, Carol's dad, and uh, for many, many years, uh, he he didn't die until he's 92, I think, but he played the organ there until he's 85, and uh, he was worth his weight in gold just sitting there because it gave a testimony that uh, God was faithful to him and he was faithful to God. And uh, there's something about that when you're around these type of people who's been through the ringer and they're still standing for Christ. 
And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. Galatians 6.17 says this, From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks or the scars of the Lord Jesus. And I want to talk about that. I remember uh, after I became a pastor and for a lot of years, I remember my pastor, Pastor Wilson Wall, He's the one who led me to Christ, so you always have a special place in your heart for that one who introduced you to Christ and the gospel. And uh, I remember Pastor Wall, and he was older, and uh, uh, he was just always encouraging to me. But I saw him, he came to a missions conference at our church, and we had several missionaries, and he, he was one of them. Uh, he would go in churches, didn't have a pastor, and then he would be their pastor until they called one. Then he'd do that to another. Ministry of helps, he called it. But I, I saw him later on in his life uh, from the battles of the ministry. And I saw some of his marks, some of his scars from the criticisms, the ridicule, uh, the loneliness, the pain of rejection, the wounded spirit the many hurts he went through, the stresses and pressures of the ministry, the truth of spiritual warfare. And you could see even that uh, early aging. I don't know if some of you know what that means, but you could see it in his face and everything. And I realized that his scars were real. And they had an impact on me at that moment when I saw that. When I went on a mission trip to Russia, uh, I remember being in Moscow. I went by and saw Lenin. He's still there. And uh, I uh, went up to the, where the premier actually eats, this restaurant. And uh, we had uh, these former persecuted believers. Uh, they were uh, imprisoned pastors. And... They were our guests, and they came in, and there were about three or four of them. And we sat there, and we listened to them and talked with them. And those guys had literal scars and also emotional scars. You could see the wear, the tear of them standing up for Christ, and that impacted me. Their scars impacted me. It made me feel that I need to do more for Christ and be more bold for Christ. And these fellas were just tremendous fellas. Let me ask you a question. In Afghanistan, uh, the Taliban, they've gotten all the names of the Christians. And uh, these people are known now. And so the Taliban, what they do, they go from house to house and they arrest them. Some people, they're in prison. Some are shot. Some are beheaded. Uh, some of the family are sold into slavery. Some of them are taken, the young boys, to the military. And the young girls are married to the older terrorists, even children. And it's amazing what's happening there. But they're known. And I think about if we were arrested, would there be enough evidence to prove or convict us of being guilty of being a Christian. Amen? Or could we just go with the flow of the world and we'd be one of them? 
I, I was, uh, I'm trying to, honey. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, I'm kidding. And uh, Robert, uh, let me see, uh, Richard, Richard Wormbrand. Anybody ever read Tortured for Christ, the book? And Tortured for Christ, and he wrote a book, and he had been living in a communist country, and he had been in prison on several counts. And he said this, he said, uh, he was at Tennessee Temple, and I heard him speak, and he said uh, he went to a church service, and in the church service there, uh, while they were worshiping the Lord, uh, the army soldiers, several of them came in. They had their guns, they were pointing at them. And they said, all believers leave the room. I mean, all non-believers, all non-believers leave the room. Of course, what that man in everybody's thinking was, they're going to kill the believers. That was just a normal thing with them. So many of them, they got up and they walked out of the room. And when they shut the door, these communist soldiers, they said to the rest of them, listen, we want to worship with true Christians. And they put their guns down and they had a great service. Richard Wormbrand said that. I remember Mr. Wormbrand. And uh, matter of fact, I have this old Bible. This thing's falling apart. And, uh, but I was up close to him one day at that day. And I, I talked to him and he signed my Bible, Richard Wormbrand. And uh, back in those days, that's what you did with somebody who you respected and uh, you say, would you mind signing my Bible? I have a number of signatures, E.B. Hill, and on and on it goes, a lot of people. And, uh, but any, so I had him sign my Bible there, and while I was there, I saw him, and I saw the marks, the wear and tear, the scars, physically, emotionally, because he was willing to stand up for the truth of Jesus Christ, and he wasn't ashamed. The apostle Paul, Paul, he said, I have marks, I have scars, and they've been received because he stood up for Christ. He was battling for the truth to be heard. As a result, he, re he received resistance and opposition and terror. He did a lot of things, and he had to suffer quite a bit for his faith. Now, notice verse 17, the first part of that verse. He says, from henceforth, let no man trouble me. Uh, there, the apostle Paul, he's addressing his critics in the, Galatia, in the Galatian church there. And what he's saying to them, he says, hey, from now on, just leave me alone. Don't bother me ever again. I've addressed what the true gospel is. It's by grace and not by works of the law. I've shown the foolishness of you obeying your flesh, of you obeying the law, and you were wrong. Galatians 3, 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This would, only would I learn uh, 
of you receive you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage or the law. Verse 16, this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so Paul is saying to them, let what I've said in this letter once for all settle the issue of legalism and the law for one salvation or how one is to live. Because if you use the law and you use uh, legalism and your flesh, it's wrong. That's false. We're not under law. We're under grace. He said, let this letter here. He said, don't bother me with this anymore. You know better from now on. And you have this letter. And then Paul proceeds to talk about the marks, the scars that he has. Notice Paul shows the making of his scars. Notice verse 17. The last part of that verse, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You see, the reason he had those marks, Paul did not compromise. He believed what Christ had told him. And he received it as the truth, and it was his conviction of that truth. And you say to yourself, how in the world can this man stand up under so much pressure? How could he do that? Well, first of all, he knew the person on the cross. He knew him. He met him personally. (laughs) He had the privilege of being knocked down by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, didn't he? And he became from Saul to the great apostle Paul. And even after that, he received revelations from Christ. So he knew the person on the cross. Also, he knew the power of the cross. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God and the salvation. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, and I baptize also the household of Stephanus beside I know not whether I baptize any other, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it, the cross, is the power of God. He knew the power of God. Let me just say to you, regardless of what, how deep sin is in your life, the power of the cross can forgive that if you just will believe in him today. And also he knew the purpose of the cross. The purpose of the cross was to defeat Satan, of course, was to gain back the title deed to earth that Adam had lost and also the heavenlies. But also the cross is to redeem man in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And he's given to us who are saved this ministry of reconciliation. So Paul knew the person, the power, and the purpose of the, of the cross. Something about Paul. Li- Paul literally was beaten. He was stoned. And I believe personally disfigured for his faith. 
He got these marks. Just remind us once again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. When we're being persecuted, for us standing up for truth, we're more like Jesus than at any other time. And that's what Paul was saying there. He says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Now just stop and think about that. Five times he was beaten 39 times each time on the back. Can you imagine that? Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. I in journeyings often, in perils of waters, of robbers, by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, unbelievers, perils of the city, in the wilderness, the sea, among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. You see, Paul got his marks truthfully, honestly, I don't see how anybody could survive all that. I mean, that's a miracle right there. Do you know that? When you read those verses right there. And not only did he have those marks because of all he went through physically, but even emotionally. He said, at my first defense, no man stood with me. He was all alone. Where were all the people he touched? City after city he went to. He did all kinds of preaching everywhere there. And yet nobody's there with him. He said, nevertheless, the Lord stood with him. That's what may helped him make it through. Here in America, we're so soft. A boy on the phone to his girlfriend said, I worship the ground you walk on. I'd fight wild beasts to protect you. I'd walk on hot coals to prove my love for you. I'd swim the swamp with alligators in it to get to you. If needed, I'd die for you. And she said, are you coming over tonight? He says, well, if it doesn't rain. <laughs> That's about the way people are with their faith. Amen. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution is for those who are willing to stand up for Christ. You can't help it. Now, it might not be as bad in this country right now, but it's coming. It's bad in other places, that's for sure. It comes from our foes. Paul says, Alexander did me much evil. May God reward him according to his works. My God, 
That's what I get from that verse. You know, sometimes we're too passive. You know, we'll just pray sometimes, let a Mack truck hit them, okay? But anyway, I, you know, do you know Jesus? Okay, now hit. Okay, now. <laughs> but we, we get persecution from our foes. Uh, Paul, or James says this, James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Hello? Some of us are so worldly minded, right? We're so wrapped up with the cares of this world. And God says, listen, it will bite you before it's over. The world doesn't like you. The world hates you. And the reason is because of the evil system that's in place controlled by Satan. That's what's going on. And then we're persecuted by our friends. David said, boy, if I had wings, I'd fly away. He was hurt so bad. And I wouldn't come back. You know, it wasn't my enemy, but it's somebody I went to church with. And we fellowship together. And I was... And I was betrayed by them. And you know, when you're betrayed by a, a, a friend, it really hurts, doesn't it? I mean, it just hurts your heart. And then we can be persecuted by our family. Sometimes when you get saved, they're lost or perhaps lukewarm, you know. And as a road, they don't understand why you want to live for Christ. They can't believe you want to go to church each Sunday. They can't comprehend you give money to the church. They don't understand spiritual truth whatsoever, do they? And so they can come at you and even just draw away from you. They don't feel comfortable around you. And by the way, that's a good thing. Because <laughs> that's saying your light's shining somewhere. Amen? Amen. And then... Paul here, he shows us the making of his scars, and then he shows us the meaning of his scars. Notice it marks, it's a mark of ownership. It was a custom when a master had a slave to burn, take a hot iron and burn the owner's name in the flesh. And that showed who they belonged to. Well, we're saved, and God owns us. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We don't own ourselves any longer. He owns us. Amen. If we just come to that conclusion, we, it'd save a lot of problems. There's the mark of ownership. It's a mark of allegiance. It shows one's loyalty, these scars and these marks. The soldiers, what they would do in the old days, they would uh, uh, burn in or tattoo, either one, the general's name on their arm. And that meant that their Allegiance was to him. He's the leader. Today we're not, we're whamsy pamsies today in a sense. And we do different things. We'll wear a t-shirt with Jesus on it. 
or we'll have a tattoo on our feet somewhere. And uh, uh, we'll wear a cross or lapel pins, you know, that has a dove on it. I have one day with an American flag and an Israeli flag. I have one with a KJV only. <laughs> and I have that. I, I'm radical in that. I'm sorry. Paul is saying, my marks show that I'm committed to Christ. Couldn't deny that guy. It impact you. You, you. He's committed. Because he's willing to go through the ringer for Christ. Amen. You know, Cain got his mark. And uh, a lot of people believe it was a curse upon Cain. That's, I don't believe that's true. I believe it was the mercy of God that gave him that mark. Because that mark identified him and there was a warning with it. If anybody would touch Cain, God would make them suffer seven times more. And so it actually, his mark was a blessing by the mercy of God. Paul's saying, listen, marks show that I'm willing even to suffer for his name. To most of the world, I'm scum. I'm shameful. I'm filth. But I'm still devoted to him and I'm unashamed of that truth. Second Timothy 1.8 says this, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 12, For this which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he, able, he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Verse 16, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesimus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. You know, sometimes we shy away from those people who have those marks who have those scars. And sometimes you wonder, why do we do that? Is it because we don't have very many marks or scars? Because we haven't stood up for the Lord like we ought to? You think that could be a possibility? So Paul here, he shows the making of these scars, the meaning of these scars, and lastly, the message of his scars. What is this message? What does it mean to me? Ask yourself that. When we see Paul, these marks, his testimony, first of all, it's an encouragement to remain faithful. Because Paul went through all of this, it's telling me it can be done. It might be rough at times, but it can be done. I can be faithful. We can remain faithful. Loyal to him. We don't have to quit. We don't have to be ashamed of him. In our Christian walk at times, we've been disgusted. We've been cussed. We've been mocked, targeted. And by the way, that's okay. Amen? And the reason is, Jesus says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. 
We always want everybody to speak well of us. But sometimes when we're living for Christ, they say something derogatory towards. Actually, that's a blessing. <laughs> he says, I don't want everybody to speak well of you because that tells me you're not devoted or living for me. Amen? Then Paul's testimony, secondly, it's an encouragement to be fearless. To be fearless. He said, don't fear the people that can kill your body. Fear him who's able to kill your body and your soul in hell. That's God. That's who we should fear of anybody. Isaiah 41.10, I love the verse. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Paul says it this way, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, Timothy. Get up and start standing the way you should, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen? He got on him. Perfect love casteth out fear. And we should know that we're salt and that irritates diseases. And there among mankind there is a disease it's called sin. <laughs> and salt irritates them. And then we are light and that reveals wrongness. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Most people, when you're salt and you're being light, they will not like you. They are anti-God because it convicts them of the way that they're living. And then when we see Paul's testimony, it should be, number three, it's an encouragement to be fruitful. You know, God wants us to share the truth with others. It should be our desire to live for God, to be used by God. That's what he wants from all of us. Now, you and I today, we might not have to receive these marks or scars, not as many as these scars, but we should be willing to. Amen? We should be willing to do whatever it takes to live for Christ regardless of what the consequences are. Yeah. I think of Abraham. He's taking his son up. He puts him on the altar. He raises that knife up. God stayed his hand. He did not have to sacrifice his son, but he showed God that he was willing to do what God had requested him to do. We might not have to receive all these marks and all these scars and everything, but we need to be willing to go wherever God takes us to do that. Amen? At times, we have such weak faith. Our lives are relatively easy, comfortable, blessed, air-conditioned. Huh? Thank God. Some of the biggest problems some people have is when the offering plate comes around, have to put some of their money in. Say, oh, what a sacrifice I've made. <laughs> in the olden days, the knights 
used to go out to battle, the king would lead the knights. And they'd go into battle. And the arrows were the hottest where the king was. So the knights would try to surround him the best they could to protect him. But usually, an arrow would certainly get through and he would get hit somewhere. If they won that battle, they were victorious, they'd return to their castle. They'd have a big feast. And then at a certain time, usually the king first, he would begin to disrobe and reveal the scars, the marks that helped have them give them the victory that day. Also then, the knights would begin to remove their articles of clothing to show they also had scars from the battle and it demonstrated their love for their king. But some of the knights, some of the knights didn't have any scars, didn't have any wounds or marks or anything. And they would hang their head in shame. I wonder about us when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There will be some people that have no scars. They have no marks. Because they didn't make an effort to go all out for Jesus Christ. Thomas, even in his faith, says... Unless I see the nail prints in his hands and his feet and the hole in his side, I'll not believe. But when he saw the scars, when he saw the scars, it impacted him and he fell down and said, my Lord and my God. It's when we see others see our marks and they see our scars for standing for truth. Then they know that our faith is real. And it gives us more credibility. Those people have stood faithful. They've gone through a lot, but they're still standing. People see that. That impacts people when they see the scars, the marks. When Stephen was being stoned to death, he was receiving his scar, his mark. <laughs> And there was a young man there, and it impacted him somewhat. For later on, his name was Saul of Tarsus, who became the great Apostle Paul. Scars impact people. Just to stand up and say, I'm going to be faithful to Christ, faithful to his word. I'm going forward for him. I'm not going to be controlled by the world, by the devil, by my flesh. I'm going to be controlled by God's word and live for him. That impacts others. I asked myself sometime, I was thinking while I was preparing this, why am I here at Grace Point? And I asked myself that. And it's because about 48, 49 years ago, just right around the corner at First Southern Baptist Church Hill on Sawmill Road, right over there, they had their men's prayer breakfast, like always, uh, prayer, just prayer time, no breakfast, prayer time on Saturday mornings. 
and I went through the prayer time there, and we prayed. And at the end, they sang that old song, Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. It was at that moment, as if God's Spirit working in me, he pricked my heart. Uh, the cross, it was speaking to my heart at that moment. I was saved at the time, but it spoke to my heart. I left, and I was in my car. And as I was going down the street, the Lord reminded me, and I'm just going to use one verse, guys, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God said, listen, Jim, I want you to present your life to me. It's reasonable. And the reason it's reasonable, look at what my son has done for you. In my mind, in my heart, my spirit, that was, was flooding my soul. And it got so bad in my car. Have you ever just wept in your car? <laughs> uh, I mean, you just weep. I had to pull over. That's right, I was going to wreck. And I just started weeping. And I remember it was at that time I dedicated my life to the Lord, whatever he wanted. It wasn't long after that that I was in Bible school. And my marks and my scars began. My journey began. Because I was impacted by another person's marks and scars, the Lord Jesus Christ. It so influenced me that I had the same, God, here's my life, here's my all. Paul's testimony here, his marks, he went through all that so that we could see through the word of God that we could learn the truth about salvation. It's all by grace through faith alone in the gospel alone and how we are to live our life today and surrender to him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. I live, what, my life by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There again is the scars. There again is the mark because of what Christ's Son has done for us. I challenge each one of you, dedicate your life to the Lord. Give him your life. Give him your all. If anybody ever deserved it, it's him. Amen? If anybody deserved it, it's him. And I can say to you, I have a lot of marks, <laughs> scars, hurts, valleys, trials, problems, on and on it goes. That's part of the journey. But when you're living for Christ, he so blesses that surrendered life that you're willing to go through all of it. His grace is more than sufficient. 
Amen. And I look back on my life, I would be nothing without Christ. Nothing. Even if I had the, the mansions and the bank accounts and all that, I'd still be nothing without him. We have to understand that. And so I challenge you this morning, dedicate your life to him. He loves you. He wants you to do it, not because you have to, in the sense that you're forced to, but because you want to, out of devotion and love, because you see his marks, we've seen Paul's marks, that ought to move somebody. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm going to have pianists come, if you would, please, and... Uh, we're going to sing a song, and I'm just going to give an invitation. I'm going to open up what we call the altar, place of prayer. And if you'd like to dedicate your life, when we stand up, why don't you come forward and just say, God, here's my life. Here's my all. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Amen? Let's everybody stand, if you would. And as Stan sings, why don't you come? Just step out of your pew and come, come dedicate yourself to him. God bless you. You come. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. Are you here this morning? Raise your hand. I'll go where he leads me. I'll say yes to him this morning. I'll raise your hand. Amen. Do it. Where you lead me, Lord, I'll go. I'll say yes, Lord, I'll say yes. Father, thank you for the cross, the empty tomb, that gospel that saves, but that grace that keeps us. We want to thank you. And God, as we go through this life and we receive our marks, God, help us to count it a privilege. May we rejoice that we had the privilege to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week. May God richly bless you is our prayer.